Greetings and salutations. I hope your day is both tranquil and fulfilling. I am Athanasius, and welcome back to the podcast of the Boldly Immortal. This is part two of the stewards' discussion from June 17th, the year of our Lord 2023. That was the second meetup of the stewards, so I hope you enjoy part two of that discussion. If this project is going to be exclusively Lutheran, then that is totally fine with me, and I so I support that. And I would not like just leave because I'm Catholic and I'm not Lutheran or whatever. Like I do want you guys to be successful, and I do want this to be a good thing. If there is a way to make it a good thing that's exclusively Lutheran and that's the best way to be effective, great. If it's even better as an inter- interdenominational effort, then what does that look like? And kind of deciding that soon would be great. It's definitely going to be interdenominational. Sharon has talked to too many churches to have it be anything else. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, for, for where I am, essentially, if I'm not working with the Baptists, I am not working, period. Then I want to figure out what That's that a foregone conclusion. And how we're going to like decide how how theologically aligned people are like what are the things that we're asking about like are we theologically aligned because i know that nobody but the catholics supports the authority of the pope and that is not something that's actually critical to the mission and that's fine so i just i want to know which theological pillars we're asking about and define those so that everybody's on the same page i want to know how we're going to communicate what kind of organization this is, how it's interdenominational, and how it's still exclusive. It's not just like, oh, believe anything and come join. It You do have to align <laughs> right. in ways. So defining where that is would be awesome. We don't have momentum right now, as far as I can tell, where people are are motivated by the successes of others and like take that momentum to branch out more and more and for this organization to like gather snow it we're not rolling yet Mm -hmm. um and how we should begin rolling and how we should gather momentum um is something that i'd like to talk about because i think that requires some organization and it goes back again to defining what our core principles are what our core mission is. It's exciting to see people jumping into support for Lyra and support for doing things like the Catholic land movement and support for these, these things. But I, I would be concerned that it's going to fragment people's attention before we're organized enough to handle that. Planting young families in parishes across the country is not where we're at right now, but it's something that we could work toward. So, mm-hmm. foundational stuff now, please. Okay. Uh, Huron, do you want me to talk to this a little bit? Because it's actually all the work that I've been putting towards for this. Go for it. When we started this project, we started with the four points that Titus laid out. And then we had a lot of stuff that had been said in the initial meeting, not only by myself, but also by Adam here, Huron, Flicker. I don't remember his actual name. Uh, was another individual in there. Uh, Ryan. Ryan, um, there's some good conversation in there. Yes. Where do I find the four points? That's just the initial challenge, looking around. 
that right. was what I went over um, earlier in this discussion. Look for your local uh, aligned congregations theologically, aligned congregations locally. How do you? How are you willing to define that? Is a, is a big part of that question. Are you willing to consider a Russian Orthodox Church or a Southern Baptist Church as someone who you would be happy to politically align with for the sake of the good of your neighborhood? Okay. That's what politic. That's what politics is. Politics is the community. Would you work with them on who gets to be the mayor and whether or not you have an abortion facility? Yes or no? And that, that's that's got to be the question. These are these are places where people come together, nominally reading the Bible. At the that's 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 there. Um, so your own faith, your own your political allies that are churches, your own congregation, and then just generally, what does your community look like? What is your, where, where are you? Those are the, those are those four initial challenges just to, to look. Yeah. So from those, those are the initial four points. Cause to your point, Cora, yes, there needs to be a solid foundation that we build off of to go forward. Cause otherwise we're just shaking around doing all this other stuff. The focus, there is no focus to a certain extent until it's firmly established. What do we believe? Well, first and foremost, that's the word of God. So like that's literally, that's, that is. So getting back to the document that I've been working on, that's I've been pushing really hard to get this through. And this is also one of the reasons why I haven't done as much groundwork as, say, Adam has done. It's because I'm focusing so much energy into this one to make sure that, hey, the sections are very distinct. Who are we as the stewards? What do we believe? And those are the individual specific sections. And then what do we? what's our plan going forward? I'll just read the first two here. And he, I mean, you've seen it. You know, who are we? The stewards consist of faithful, like-minded Christians from various confessions across the United States. We're concerned about the increasingly secular and evil path that civil society is headed down. We have resolved to fight against the devil's advances by building, sustaining Christian communities faithful to God's word. This will not consist of a single battle, nor do we anticipate achieving victory with our lifetimes. Instead, we are committed to a multi-generational effort to preserve our faith and our families. So it's very much a, hey, we're, we're at war. We've always been at war. And we've forgotten that we're at war and we're losing badly. And unless we change something, that's not going to change. And that change is realizing, okay, we need to focus on not only our faith, the word, the foundation, but also the children and the families. Again, foundationalize. And then we go off of, okay, who are we? What do we believe? We believe that the Bible is the true and inerrant word of God. We profess and cling to the apostles, Nicene, and Athanasian creeds as pearls of our faith. Now, getting back to interdenominational talkings, one of the things that we're going to be going forward with this document is we're almost to the point, well, we are to the point um, as of now, that I want to put together essentially a group to talk about this over different voice channel talks like this to flesh this out. Because, hey, if you want to work with the EO, I mean, you know, Corey, you know, we have buddies who are EO, we have buddies who are Catholic, we have buddies who are Lutheran. It's like, okay. We believe in the Apostles Nicene and Athanasian creeds. Even within the big three, EO, Catholic, Lutheran, all of a sudden you have infighting. It's like, okay, so how do you word that? Because it's like, okay, if either you believe in the Bible or you don't, you don't get to pick and choose. That's one of the biggest delineations going forward. And that's why mm -hmm. constructing a document like this is kind of tricky. Is because, like, okay, what, what are the things where there are lines in the center that we will not cross? Because if we do, we've lost. There's no, there's no essence in fighting it anymore. So once we get, and that's in the second point here is we hold that God's creation possesses and professes a natural order is upon within this created order that we wish to build because we're, we're, we're emerging from the ashes. We're emerging from a society that has failed. 
saying, okay, what order we would want to live in? What state of being do we want to live in? It's all effectively the same idea. And then it gets into, okay, what is Christian love and authority? What does that look like? Because in today's modern world, they don't know what love is. They think they know what it is, but they don't. I mean, we, this is the month that we can you can clearly show that we have no idea what love is. Thankfully, this year, now we have national pride, the international nationalism thing going on, which is good, and it's a correct and proper redirection of those energies. But then we need to get further into, okay, what what's the actual Christian love look like? So you get into that. What's the created order of God? How is man and woman and the family and the children settled in? Because in today's society, especially with the rampants of feminism over the last two centuries, it's absolutely destroyed everything, where everything's upside down. You know, and then you get into Christian stewardship. What does that look like? What what are what are men and women supposed to be called to do as according to those natural orders that, hey, if I have a job to do, what happens if I don't do it? Everything falls apart. Well, yeah. what are those jobs? How do you go about and do those things? What are the things that are critical to going forward for a good society? And then it gets into the role of the father, the role of the, the mother, the role of the children. And then also what that looks like going forward to rebuild and establish because your rebuilding effort is also your sustainment effort. It's the exact same thing. You're not really changing anything. You might change your individual energies a little bit because, okay, now instead of focusing on, you know, I got to set these lines in the sand here with the family and then I can move on to the congregation. Well, those lines in the sand, it's not just a, hey, I drew it and the, the waters came and washed it away. It's a continuous, I'm drawing these lines, I'm reestablishing day by day by day, that living by example thing. And then once you get it, and then it goes from the family, it goes into the church. I mean, the original document that I drafted several months ago, and then went church to communities and it started expanding outward. I've since pulled that back. It's like, hey, let's just focus on the churches, let's just focus on the family, because that's really where the fight is, and things will just naturally flow. You don't really have to call anything out specifically for what our actual goals are because that those based on foundations they'll just keep fractally expanding outward to the point where we're doing what we want to do and then it gets into hey what's our plan and this is something that titus wrote specifically but it's essentially lord willing de Lente, pray read the scriptures see our brothers that is actually seeing who they are be hospitable to our brothers and those around us see our foes who are those who are diametrically opposed to us what we're supposed to do in accordance with them but be of good courage in the face of those obstacles walk together on a righteous path because we're in this together if we want to actually secede and live good christian lives together again in a world that's becoming more and more dark and secular and evil day by day if the light of christ does not shine and then thank god and then just keep expanding it's it's a you do those base things and you keep expanding outward. It doesn't, the specifics might change, but that general structure doesn't. But this, this document's the big one that I've been working on here for the past couple months because it's, hey, what do we want to believe? What do we want to do going forward? And then how are we going to communicate those? Now, thankfully, we also have Adam's paper, which Adam's paper specifically talks about the attacks that the state has made, or essentially the judicial system has made, against marriage within the Christian sense, and that we're heading down a path that points to eventually having our 501c3 status revoked because we're not enforcing same-sex relations within the church and we're not permitting it. You know, we're not say, we're we're essentially standing on our faith, but because because we have devolved from a, a a polite society that can have discussions because we all belong to the same religion, 
which of course people are like, well, you can't have state-enforced religion. It's like, well, either you're all Christian, you're all Muslim, or you're all Hindu. It doesn't work when you're all doing separate things because your basis aren't, isn't the same. Mm-hmm. We're effectively having religious discussions now, which is now why we're talking about gay marriage. It's a religious discussion. That's why we're also talking about abortion. It's a, it's a religious discussion. That's all this is. It's why people get so heated up about it as well. It's because they can't say, okay, I want to do the best for my neighbor. Okay, well, what's better to do that is, you know, is to give them more handouts or is it to, you know, require them to go work? You know, that's a political discussion. But when you're, but when you're literally just like, hey, uh, should I be able to kill my unborn child? Or should I be able to kill my child outside the womb just whenever I want? You know, then th- that's a completely different religious discussion because like, okay, well then, you know, you can expand that. It's like, okay, well, if I want to kill my wife because she didn't make me happy, can I do that? That's a religious discussion, but you know, it can easily go that way just because of the way that things have gone here and just the way that evil proliferates throughout the ages. So you have Adam's document. Um, that's kind of the initial, hey, before this document that I'm working on, which is just the stewards in general, you have Adam's document say, hey, this is what the real imminent danger to the church and why we need to have these conversations and then this next document the stewards is like okay if you want to build forward if you want to do something on a grand scale that's good and wholesome at all levels this is kind of what we stand behind so getting back to that foundational thing yes that is all being done it's being worked on and we're very very close you're working on defining defining everything and making sure that that's hashed out among people and that's like a weekly meeting that you're going to set up soon yes yeah the goal for today in addition to saying hey i'm at a point where we can start having these discussions is that hey actually make a chat um within the Mm -hmm. steward group saying hey if you're a steward you have time and you're interested then join this group we'll be meeting weekly we'll hash out a time and we'll have discussions just like this to go through those ideas to line it out and if people have different things after reading it as a part of the stewards, because it can be released within the stewards group itself, not in the public chat, they can send out DMs if they don't have enough time. They're like, hey, this is kind of what I think. We'll take in those considerations. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it will very much be a working matter going forward to get this hashed out within the next month is my hope. Great. I'm really looking forward to that. If I may, I'm going to actually um, wax a bit poetic on a couple of, couple of ideas. The the first is the the nature of organization and that ideally there is some communication between different nodes of the network but each network will structure itself independently and while we do expect certain principles to come to the fore we can't enforce it and trying to enforce it wholesale is is not going to be successful in the same way that if you want to spread influence at a certain point what you need to do is be willing to have somebody who maybe disagrees with you fighting in your very space but have a framework for having those dis- those discussions within your own group if we try to limit ourselves to just those who agree and then this is a title Let's say the, the stewards is a title for people who agree on all of these ideas and they implement them in the same way, or they're at least willing to, they're not willing to fight about that. Well, you're going to have a problem. I referenced my discussion with the Audacitor earlier. I got a chance to chat with him again. And one of the points that he made uh, as a follow-up is the, dis- the difference and the, frankly, the incredible value of a negative 
vision as opposed to the positive vision. To explain it briefly, the negative vision is you identify a we by not that. You identify yourself as against and opposed to something else. Now, you do have to have some level of commonality, but this is the reason that, for example, the pro-life community can exist. Because the pro-life community Mm. is about ending abortion. So if you're supporting abortion at all, you're not us. We believe that murder is wrong, fundamentally. That the fact that that is a a negative vision means that you can actually align groups who have disparate identities to work together towards a common good in this way, and that that organization does not need to be robust in all of the ways. It doesn't need to be aligned in in a number of different ways. It simply needs to be focused on the problem at hand. So. To a certain extent, what the stewards the stewards are going to have a very, very, very positive vision. But what I hope we can really hash out is what's the negative vision, as well. What is the thing we're yeah. fighting against? And once we know what we're what we don't want, or what we're willing to unite to resist, this is why the state encroaching on religious liberty is a is a fantastic point of unity. Once we have a state where people can live in conscience. And where communities are robust to support themselves, we can actually start fighting wars. Not not open wars, but we can start disagreeing about the things we disagree about with the, with the freedom of conscience to actually stand on our values and say, no, we're going to draw a line in the sand and we're going to do it this way. And, and ultimately say, yeah, we're competing. Let's let's see what your values do in your community. Let's see what our values do over here in this community. And see what comes of it there's some there's some opportunity there we don't even have that freedom to see what can happen when christians live in conscience that's what we're fighting for so the positive that we're fighting for of being able to live in conscience together is about a negative that there's there's someone who's coming to to take that away eventually anything that we unite as a negative against has an opportunity to be to leave a massive blind spot that that opens us up for another attack. This is the way that the world works. When you fight multi-generational battles, somebody is going to change their strategy. We can't stop that. The goal is not to make a solid institution for the future forever. The goal is to fight what we have to fight now side by side. Because if you don't unite the clans, you're going to get overrun. Um, this is This is just the way that history works whoever if you cannot unite then when a conqueror inevitably comes you're going to get over you're going to get defeated and there will be some good out of it no doubt uh, but there's there's an opportunity to to work together uh, there are two historical examples that i would like to refer to as regard this concept the first involves the initial growth of islam a lot of the areas that Islam took over quickly were not actually Catholic at the time, but they were somewhat heretical. They did not confess the creeds as we confess them. And as such, the institution of Christianity was not united against 
uh, was not united with them. So when they came under attack, it was, well, okay, you're under attack, but we, you know, we got some other problems too. That's great. But you're not Christians. We don't, we don't think of you as Christians, so you're outside of this group. As a result, Islam spread. And it destroyed the heresy. Oh, isn't that great? It completely wiped out all those heretics for us. Eh, okay, and now what do you have to deal with? You have to deal with the Reconquista in Spain. Massive project. You've got to deal, you know, 500, 700 years later, you've got the, 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 the Turks at the gates of Vienna, which incidentally was part of the part and parcel of the Peace of Augsburg. It's, it's, it's amazing how the Lord uses these things to, in some ways, make us realize the, the things we should have realized in the beginning, that making some level of peace with each other yeah. to withstand a threat from the outside is valuable. Now, to, to really hit on that idea, before the Turks, the uh, Ottoman Empire, were the great threat, the, the great Muslim Empire, there was one that came before them that was, that was Mongolian. It was the steppe hordes who came through, and before, in, in this is in the 13th century, uh, they they came through and just utterly decimated Muslim territories, completely wiped them out if they resisted the 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 subjugation of the Khan. There were Muslim emissaries who went to beseech aid from Christian kings. Um, went into the the uh, went they went to Rome. I, I believe some even went to the the East as well. And and they were rebuffed because the thinking was, well, look, we've got an outsider attacking our enemies. This is great because we're theological enemies with these people. If they get wiped out, this is all the better for us. The problem came when inevitably the Mongols needed some some way to govern this massive Islamic space. And they picked Islam to do it. And you just replaced one creature with another you create created one enemy who who was reaching out for aid you replaced them with one who never reached out for aid really doesn't care about you would take and invade your lands without any pause for thought and is actually much more competent at it because guess what they beat the guys who you've been fighting against this whole time where's the logic there's there's something there's there's much good that's come of this and and the lord will work with with what has happened but if we get the chance to to act here, how would we do it? There's there's wisdom perhaps in charity, even against our enemies. To 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 look at when they are when they are weak and actually try to help them. Our Lord has words for this. That, that especially in the Sermon on the Mount, he he encourages us to love our enemies. Suppose that they had actually gone. Suppose that the Christians had in, engaged a crusade to save the Muslim empires in the East. Had gone back and said, "You know, we're going to go take Babylon if we can. We're going to go. We're going to recapture Jerusalem against those who would come out. We're going to go take Baghdad because Baghdad's been under assault." What happens to the relations between the Muslim world and the Christian world after that? At least in that brief period of time, who knows what what can happen? What potential opportunity to preach the gospel? Who knows? Because that that should be our encouragement. That should be what we're doing. We're looking to make disciples of all nations. Why why didn't 
let alone with the, what we actually did when we went to talk to the, the, the Mongols and try to teach them about the Trinity. That was the first thing we tried to teach the Mongols was the doctrine of the Trinity, as opposed to saying, uh, Lord Genghis Khan, would you like to rise from the dead? Because you can be, you can happen to rise from the dead and live forever. That seems like a really good pitch to a despotic warlord. I mean, if I if I were a despotic warlord, I would want to know these things. And then you say, here's how it like it's going to happen, whether you like it or not. The question is, you know, what happens afterwards? Uh, this is what this is what we confess in the Athanasian Creed: all people will rise again with their bodies and give an account concerning their own deeds. Th this is how how do we think about our own faith? And what are we trying to do? Are we trying to play the political game? Or are we just trying to spread the gospel? And are we trying to understand that that the word of God has power? That being willing to endure suffering has has power. There's there's great potential. As long as we, we don't try to see this as us all allying to build our ideal world without recognizing that one we need to fight against somebody. If we're going to fight, we're, we're looking for someone to fight against. But then two, there are a lot of opportunities for us to, to work together, even with those who we would call our enemies, to do good, to save life, and to consider the poor. This is, this is why abortion matters, because the poor are being slaughtered. This is why... The, the, the family matters because children are being abused and castrated. That is wrong. We need we don't we shouldn't be looking to the ends of the earth to find the enemy that we're we're fighting with, but they're not there. There's a flag that's flying somewhere in your city, in all likelihood, that is pro castration, that is ungodly, and may the Lord preserve us from that. And may he equip us to unite to fight that foe. So long as that is our calling. And to build communities that resist it so that our children don't have that fear. That is what I see as an opportunity. That is what I see as a goal. We have to unite. We have a duty to unite. But that, that duty is not to unite for our own aggrandizement or even our own security and safety exclusively. It is for doing good. And what that's going to mean is a lot, a lot of sacrifice. It's going to mean a lot of pain. And Lord willing, yeah. out of the end of that, our children can live in peace and actually do some, some more good for people further away and farther and spread the good news to the end of the earth. Who knows? Who knows sure. the potential of the Word of God? For what you were speaking of there, the missed opportunities at Alliance made me think a lot about that one thing that I posted within uh, the dystopic cosmic horror channel. And it was just a recounting of the Battle of Lepanto, where it's one of the few times that you know Christendom did come together even though politically speaking uh it was uh venice and spain and the papacy all working together to repel the ottomans an incursion by their fleets and uh, i can't remember which pope it was but but he put in the legwork he he went to all these people and he built that alliance and the 
the victory that they won was nothing short of miraculous. That they took something like a tenth the casualties that the Muslims did in a battle that they should have lost. If I may say, this is why this is this is why I want to be a Roman Catholic. It would be great. It'd be wonderful. That's why I'm a Lutheran, because I can't be, because we were kicked out. You know, we had our we had our disagreements, but but the the power of the papacy should be the power to make these alliances, to make these agreements. It, as far as I can tell, that's the that's the the way that uh, fatherhood fractally expands outwards. You know, you're, uh, I know Trent's talked about this too. Uh, you got your fathers of your of your family, you got your fathers of your tribe, you got your fathers of your community, you got your fathers of your state or your, your region, your et cetera, et cetera, all the way up. Well, the church has this too. And the, the great beauty of having the, the papacy is, okay, now we actually, we can all agree that that's where we go. And that's the guy who's going to talk about it. And that's the, that's a point, a point of wonderful unity. This is, this is the good that I can see there. Are they fighting the fight that we need to fight right now? And at a, at a very critical point, they weren't, as far as I can tell. And and right now, I mean, the the, the Roman Catholic Church has been an, a fantastic ally in the fight against abortion. The fight against pedophilia is a little more complicated, unfortunately. There are some some endemic problems that the Catholic Church would have to face. I think in in coming to that point but there are good honest catholics roman catholics who are fighting this fight with us so let's fight it let's realize it let's and this is the the power of the the power of the fractured the fractured church the 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 post-reformation era we're no longer all united around the single head we're off in our own little tribes okay but can we still get along? Can we still come together when we need to? Can you have good, honest men rally to the cry of Gideon? I believe you can. I believe that that's still something we need to fight for. So what? We don't have the king. We have we have a disparate set of judges. The more that we can look out and see and work together, the, the easier it'll be. And God will raise up a judge for a time. And... When his time is passed, perhaps we will fall back again. But that's a better way than us all just living under slavery to the Moabites. One of the one of the ways that I've started in my local community preparing us for whatever comes, uh, building up my 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 local guys for actually thinking about these things and building up myself because I don't know all the all the ways to do this. We have a weekly men's Bible study, but what we talk about is well, we just finished going through Kings. The whole story of who these men were, real people live in real lives and the stories that the scriptures contain about these events. Uh, they are amazing they're like they're like nothing else because if you actually dig into them 
what you see is a story of flawed people trying to handle the situations that they're in. And the ones who are faithful are the ones whom God blesses. Hands down. That's the that's the goal. That's the the, the standard. Are you willing to say no to idolatry and draw the hard line and, and trust that the Lord will guide you? He'll bless you. And, you know, if you're Asa, the fifth, fourth, well, fifth uh, in the line of David, um, who goes to the, who goes and rather than praying to the Lord for healing, goes to the pharmaceutical industry to try and get healing. And then a prophet comes to him and says, well, because you did that, you're now you're going to die. What a fascinating story to include in, in the word of God. Why does he do that? Because the point is you're supposed to trust in God. There are, there are a lot of beautiful things there. We're going back now. We're going back to, to Joshua and Judges to say, okay, well, what does it look like when God gives you conquest? I don't think we're ready for that. Joshua's a fantastic book. It's, it's, it's overwhelming because of the victory that they have against all odds. Mm-hmm. And then Judges, Judges is where it all, where it all falls apart. Oh, but how does it fall apart? What does that look like? And what does it look like for, let's read Ruth, when you have a godly man who's trying to live in conscience in his area, his locality is blessed and you you get Boaz and Obed and Jesse and oh, look, there's David. And so he doesn't see it in his day. The man who's living through hard times, who marries a Moabite woman, he doesn't get to see the kingdom reformed or formed for the first time. But what he does get to see is his son, Obed, possibly gets to see his son, Jesse. And, you know, maybe the Lord blessed Boaz with many years and he actually got to see his great-grandson, David. So maybe maybe Boaz was dead before he got to see the one who would become king over Israel, who would establish righteousness and, and drive out the, the, the heathens and, and free the people from oppression. That's where we start. That's what we're fighting. What does the Bible say about it? Have we actually taken the time to think? This is this is how we we build unity in our communities. We make this our lore. We make this our story. The the story of the of the the other countries, the the rise and fall of nations, is its own thing, and it is good for us to know. But first and foremost, do we actually know the story of the story of Gideon? the story of uh, Samson, the story of Joshua, the story of Ehud, the story of, uh, who was the face one? Othniel, who was a, you know, we don't, what, what is the story of Othniel? It's rather fascinating. Uh, and then my, my personal favorite, Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20. Nobody knows Second Chronicles chapter 20. It's, it's, it's probably the best book in the, in the entire history of the Kings. Best, best chapter, possibly. I mean, Second Kings chapter one is pretty good too, but, why don't we know this? We want to love our neighbors. We want to build communities. We want to live in Christian conscience together. We should know this. This is me. This is why I'm trying to do it because I'm, I'm condemning myself. I didn't, I didn't care. It's time to care. And once my local men are aligned with me on these ideas, this is how the Bible talks about how to be a good King. This is what the Bible talks about, about what you do when you're ruled by evil people. This is what the Bible says about what it looks like when you're crying out to God for help. And it's all pointing forward to Christ, which means that it's all fulfilled and it's all true. 
So if he did this, then what, what could he do now? Who knows? I don't know. I want to find out. That's why I'm here. I assume that's why you're all here. Yeah. What you were saying there, especially with the judges, brought to mind, you know, the story with Shefta. And, I mean, we're we're not going to get anywhere if we're setting up shibboleths against other Christians rather than finding the points that we can lie at. Because it's like it says right there, <laughs> all because they were arguing about how a battle got fought. 42,000 Ephraimites were killed. That, that can't be where we go with this. Ideally, the negative vision can spring forth into something positive. When you start, when you start by saying abortion is bad, abortion is immoral, and it must be exterminated from a God, from a Christian society, from a, any any God fearing, somewhat moral, natural law society, needs to be gone. You can do a lot of good once you've actually done that, and along the way to getting there. You, you've you've done a lot of good too. The righteousness of God is not going to be is not going to be achieved by us trying to politically maneuver and wheel and deal and sell our souls for the sake of a political victory. It's going to be achieved by us living in our vocations, doing what God has given us each to do, and standing where He's given us the opportunity to stand. I should probably mention the abortion fight is the single best place for me to find Christians who agree with me politically, because. Yeah, they're there and they're standing on the other side of the street praying the rosary and we, we love them for standing and praying the rosary over there and we stand on the other side and we sing hymns because that's how we do it and we pray the Psalms and we get along and we have our separate sides of the street purely by coincidence and some of them are on our side of the street anyway but we do things differently we recognize we do things differently but what's the point we're all standing against abortion. And when we can all come together with our voices raised to, to say that is wrong, it makes it makes it easier for everyone else to say to agree, you know, that, that to just follow along. When they say, Oh look at you guys, you totally disagree. How can you do this? It doesn't it doesn't actually help. Yeah. And here in North Carolina we've recently got it down to I think it's an eleven an eleven week ban. And I recently stopped by a church where the pastor there knew one of the legislators who was responsible for helping get it there. And the way he spoke, I, I got the feeling that, that that particular legislator, he he was he was torn between a certain amount of despair that he couldn't get what he wanted, which was a total ban. But also jubilation at the fact that, you know, we gained that much ground by working with the ones who are willing to work with us. And back when we were first putting this group together, that's one of the things I had said was I'd ally, how did I put it? I think I said I'd ally with a Democratic witch if she was willing to say that abortion should be illegal in all cases except for rape and incest. It's like I'm not going to stop there, but I'll help her in her fight as far as she's willing to go. That's one of the weaknesses of democracy. Democracy democracy means that not only are all of us burdened with the weight of political action and political responsibility, 
but it also means that every other citizen who we're interacting with also has that same weight. So we're not mm-hmm. we're not focusing on elites necessarily who do big things, but there's a reason to door to door canvas. There's value there that theoretically your own locality is having some effect on the entire nation as a whole. In some respect, that's not it's not actually how it ends up working out, but that just about anybody who you're going to interact with has as much say as you do in the government of the country is a little strange. But within that, being it that that's the case, we have to, I think, I think we're, we're obliged to, to look at that as an opportunity to say, well, they can't, they can't take that away from us. And if we can build a coalition, if we can build a united group of people to say the same thing together, maybe we can do some good. Is that the best policy for us in the future? That is that is available for debate. Is it is it a stable system that will endure the test of time? That remains to be seen. Does that best reflect God's order in creation? <laughs> ah. Regardless, it's what we have for now. Exactly. And as we work towards what we whatever it is that we end up ach- achieving, the more that we do it by means that are governed by the word of God, the the more I think, the more right I believe we have to expect good to come of it.